0: Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Storytellers. Sherry Limecooler is the USA Today best-selling author of What's Left Untold. She's written professionally for over 20 years. But as she would say, she is a Jill of all trades, having wonderful experiences in public relations, marketing, event planning, yoga, and aviation. We'll talk about all of those things during our time together today. She is a health and fitness column in the uh, Carroll County Maryland Times for over a decade. It was called Fun. I'm sorry, fun for the fit, a competitive triathlete, and a two-time Iron Man finisher. She has me outplayed on all of those athletic pieces. But luckily, she also really enjoys wine tasting and travel. Sherry, thank you for coming to the Storyteller Mike today. Hi, Grace. Thanks for having
1: me. I'm happy to be here.
0: It's so good to have you, and there's so much to talk about, as your bio so aptly describes. But let's start out with the fact that you've written for 20 years, and now you're a novelist. How did that happen for you?
1: I basically writing was the hap, second half of my professional career. When my I have three daughters, I had three children in this less than five years, and so when they were very young, I found it a great time to take on freelance writing work that I could. Have a flexible schedule and do a lot of that work from home. And after I spent a few years uh, with the uh, freelance online writing, I started to think about uh, that I would really enjoy writing a novel. I've always enjoyed reading, I've always been a a good uh, creative writing student. And I started to think about how enjoyable uh, it would be to write a novel and share a story that other readers might enjoy and sort of set that as a goal for myself.
0: And enjoy they did. You're a USA Today bestseller with your debut novel. What was that experience like? It was a whirlwind.
1: I think I was pinching myself all the time. Like my, my daughters like to call it like a fever dream. Fever dream. You don't, you don't really feel like it's really happening. Um, but it was very exciting to hit the USA Today list as a debut novelist, for sure.
0: Tell us a little bit about the story in your book.
1: What's Left Untold is a story about a woman who reunites with her estranged best friend and uncovers a devastating secret that begins to unravel the life she's built with her husband and daughters. So it's, it's a story about secrets, loss and betrayal, but also friendship, love and forgiveness. Uh, it has some surprise twists. It has some dark elements to it and it has a controversial ending that I actually have enjoyed writing.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad that you put all of that into your descriptor, because as I was reading it and enjoying it, there was so much in there about just women's stories in general, the friendships, the feeling of betrayal, the not knowing whether they have our back, the unexpected things that happen throughout life. So I loved that I got to experience so many emotions that I think women experience. And I'm sure men do too, but it felt very much like a woman's novel to me. I also loved that you put it in my beloved Maryland. I spent most of my life in that Silver Spring, Maryland area. And you're just a little bit north of there, I think. So I loved being able to travel around with you as you ran through the streets and the parks. How much of you, and this is a question I normally don't ask because I get asked it all the time, but how much of you is in your main character?
1: Uh, I get asked that question a lot too. Uh, and my, my standard answer is the story is not about me or anybody that I know. Um, but of course, as writers, we're often informed to write what we know. So there are bits and pieces that uh, speak to my truth, such as having three daughters, Uh, My character, Anna, in the book does have three daughters because I know daughters. Writing about sons would be a a totally different journey. I think a different adventure. Uh, My main character is a dog lover. She's got two Labrador retrievers. Uh, I have two Labrador retrievers. And as you already mentioned, it is set in Maryland, which is my home state. I was actually born in Silver Spring. (laughs) Really? yeah, and I've um, lived in Maryland my whole life, except uh, my stint at college in Ohio and then an internship in Kentucky before I inadvertently landed back in Maryland. But I really do love the state of Maryland, uh, and I enjoyed writing about it and adding those little
0: bits and of hometown flavor to the story. And you do that so well. My book is also set largely in Maryland. So I loved being able to talk about Calvert Cliffs. It's such a diverse state, right? We've got the beaches. You can go skiing out in the western part of the state. So I really did enjoy that so much. Now, talk about this controversy without giving anything away, because you didn't take a safe route with your first novel. Right. And that actually,
1: interestingly, presented some challenges to me as a new author and trying to find a home for my book. Uh, As a lot of authors know, after we have something that we feel is ready, uh, we begin the query round and we're submitting our manuscript to agents and publishers. And I had a lot of feedback that was they really enjoyed my writing. They really enjoyed my story. But the twist, the controversial twist at the end would maybe not sit well with women's fiction readers. Uh, I do enjoy reading women's fiction along with historical fiction, but I really do enjoy psychological thrillers as well. I grew up reading Stephen King, and so I definitely enjoy stories that have a dark element, I guess. Um, People have likened my book more to a lifetime movie than a Hallmark movie. I didn't want to write an expected story that would necessarily wrap up with an expected ending and a nice tidy bow. I did want to throw out something unexpected and a little controversial. Um, And for me, that is just the way I wanted to tell the story. As a reader, that would be something
0: I would enjoy, a twist that I didn't see coming. I agree with you entirely. That's much more my style as well. Yeah, happy endings are great, but I love um, I love making my readers cry. I like making them tense. I like making them, I don't like ma- ma- making them angry at me necessarily. But there's a wonderful <laughs> interplay that happens there with your reader in your head, right?
1: Yes, definitely. And unfortunately, you know, not every reader is going to enjoy every book. There's a book out there for someone, and there's a reader out there for every book. And I do believe that as, as creators, as authors, once the book is in the hands of the readers, it doesn't really belong to us anymore. Uh, And there has been a whole wide range, which is evident on my reviews of people that loved it, people that hated it. There's, um, and and I say hate it because of the ending. It did create some strong reactions in readers, Um, but, it's i think it's an interesting topic i wouldn't say i I agree with the choices the characters made i'm not promoting the topic that is being discussed but it it led me down a research rabbit hole about how we as a society um establish norms sometimes they're societal norms they're not based in the fear realities that we have um but they're more societal norms and as i did some research on this there are other countries in the world that have actually um, voted on the side of the way this story goes, because they didn't feel it was the place of the courts to rule on a societal norm.
0: Well, you're great at leading me into my next set of questions, so thank you for that. You're making this easy for me. Let's talk about the importance of reviews to begin with, because I know there are lifeblood. So talk, talk about, are you thick skinned? I love that you said, that once once it's out in the world, it's not ours anymore. So talk about how you react to your reviews.
1: I can say, in the, as most, especially new authors, I think in the very beginning, I was hanging on to those reviews and reading them feverishly. Um, and the, the ones that are, I respect a review that's um, constructive in its criticism, um, but not just mean-spirited outright. Uh, It's kind of like if you're seeing something, reading something that's not for you, um, you can pass it by. I don't really understand uh, the mean-spiritedness that we see sometimes, and those do hurt. Um, And I had that long before as an author, as a columnist, I was very exposed in, in some of the things I wrote about. And I think you do have to develop a thick skin. I don't think I, I like to think I had a thick skin, but the way some of those those words hit, it realized that it's not as thick as it would need to be in this industry. So I uh, kind of tried to start to not read the negative reviews. Um, and after some time, just know that it's not going to please everybody and really take to heart the positive reviews and and remind myself that for every reader that may not have enjoyed the story, and that's okay, that there was a lot of other readers that really did and I tried to to stick with that and know that that book was for them and they enjoyed it. Those intended readers enjoyed the story.
0: And I agree with you entirely. It's all about the constructive reviews and the words around it because we all wanna get better at our craft. At least, you know, I know you do, I know I do. And what I find is like if you get a one star and nothing Like, tell me why you didn't like it. Tell me what didn't work for you. We, of course, all like, you know, four or five star reviews. But for me and for you, we really want the thought behind that review to make us better at our craft. Right.
1: I agree. And I think that there's uh, fortunate or unfortunate, there is an element of human nature that um, I think sometimes in society we're quicker to criticize than we are to praise. Um, You know, if you go out to a restaurant and you have a great meal and you're satisfied, you may not go out and shout that from the rooftops, unfortunately, but you you see all the time on, on social media that people are unhappy with a service they received or a meal they ate. And it's very quick to put the negative commentary out there. And so I try in my own, just seeing the way these reviews impact people try to make a, concentrated effort on my own part to put positive energy and positive words out into the world and not focus on the negative things.
0: And we could all use more of that. <laughs> you mentioned a little bit of, about your research, and that's one of the things I find most intriguing about the entire author community. What type of research did you do for your book and what surprised you in it?
1: I I have, and I have to be careful with this so I don't give away the ending. Um, The ending is not what I intended. Initially, uh, anyone who reads the book, there is a place before it gets to that final twist that I was gonna stop the story. Um, But I just wanted to push that envelope a little bit further because I didn't feel like it was, it was taking the consequences far enough. My story is a lot about a lie that when it's fed it continues to grow. And I remember at some point in my life hearing that once you tell a lie, I was raised to be a truth teller. Lying was one of the things that was just not tolerated in my household as a child and nor in my household now as an adult. But once you tell a lie, you have to tell many more lies to sustain the original lie. And then there's also as a writer, I'm a communications major, I believe in speaking directly and uh, and being forthright in our speech but I grew up watching Three's Company and so many of the, the, the things that happened, the terrible things, if just, if they would have just talked to each other, it would have avoided all this other things. So um, as I had the idea for how I wanted the book to end, I know I needed to have, I know that an, it would probably put a lot of hackles up and I needed to have a little bit of research to support why what the characters did might be okay, might be safe, might be acceptable, um, and to maybe not judge those decisions if we're not walking in those shoes. So I did have to do dive into some medical research from Stanford and other organizations that were studying the topic I was broaching, um, and I talk about it a lot with my book clubs because in a book club, everyone at that point has read the story, and we can really get into the nitty-gritty of, of why society feels the way we do about this particular topic. And then we can kind of uh, turn, back the, the pay, turn back the cover on the things that are false about what we believe about it. And I think I was surprised in doing the research and readers when we discussed it are surprised as well. So I think anything that opens our minds um, to other realities is a positive thing.
0: I think it's a great book club book because for me, anything that's a good book club book is that, how can you think that? How could the character have done that? Why would that have been? Could that have been true? So I think for all of the um, vague but intriguing things that we're talking about with uh, What's Left Untold, there's so much within a book club. And the story though, did you have the concept of how, let's just say, the two characters who get poised together in the book, did you have that from the beginning? The the original spark for the book, when you asked earlier about things that were
1: true, elements in the book, the inspiration for the story is based in a true event. Um, I was helping my parents move. They were downsizing, relocating, and so I'm helping pack up the house, which included a lot of my, my childhood room. There was a trunk of things I hadn't seen in a decade that had photo albums and high school yearbooks and a box of letters back when we used to write actual letters and fold them into the little intricate shapes. And I, I spent an afternoon just going down memory lane. And one of the letters had a postscript that caught my attention because it was sort of mysterious. It said... I need to see you. I have something important to tell you. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that was about. Oh, it was probably nothing, inconsequential high school drama. But later that evening, as I was driving home, I started thinking, and my creative mind started going, what if it had been important? And what is something that a person could learn 20 years after the fact that could still have a major impact on their life? So that was how the story was uh, – Began. And so from the very beginning, it was about a woman who, you know, comes across a letter that was written by her estranged best friend. So Anna and Leah were going to be the two characters facing off uh, from the very beginning.
0: I love that. And I, you, your whole description in the very beginning, I could see like the diary that I kept and the, <laughs> the glitter on the envelope. So you did a wonderful job of bringing me back to a place in time. <laughs> One of the things I've enjoyed so much about being an author myself, including being able to have this um, radio show and podcast, is the immense community that authors and readers have together. And you and I have both connected on those platforms and we've each started uh, different ways to connect more authors and more readers. Would you talk about Rising Tides, please?
1: Yes. as a debut author, I was part of an amazing group called the 2020 debuts and it was uh and it was a it was a tough time to debut, right? In the middle of the pandemic. A lot Horrible. of in-person events were canceled, the launch parties we dreamed of throughout this whole journey had to take on a new face. Um, mine ended up being an online party which was fantastic, but this group was so supportive throughout and we had weekly prompts you know helping each other spread news about our books or just to rant and rave about things we were happy about things that were frustrating and it, it was really a great group that said it was a very large group i think at some point we were well beyond 300 authors and so a simple thread like share your great news or share this link what I'd opened it up in the morning and it would already have like 250 comments on it. And it was, it was very overwhelming to me.
0: Very Um, overwhelming.
1: Social media is an area that I struggle anyway. And I didn't feel like I could um, be supportive of some of those authors and not others. And and to try to go through and provide uh, support for 250 people that might have wanted links shared on that day. So I, I really enjoyed the concept, but it was on a scale that was really large and overwhelming to me. <clears throat> There's also a, a, a phrase commonly spoken in our circles that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think that applies to us as women, as authors, in that when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. So I sort of took that motto and created a group called the Rising Tide Writers with the whole purpose being a smaller spinoff of what I experienced in the 2020 debuts. Um, Uh, Right now, we have about 20 writers that did debut around that time period. We have a few that debuted in late 2019 and some that got pushed to 21. But generally, we were all women at the same phase of our writing journey just post-release of our debut. And we are able to provide that same sort of support uh, on a smaller focus scale. And I know for me personally, I feel I can be more effective when I open my my social media in the morning and I have four or five people saying, can you please share this link? Can you like, you know, this for me? And that's so much more doable. And I think I have a a group that agrees on that uh, effectiveness, uh, that power in smaller
0: numbers that works too. I agree entirely. How important is the author community to your ongoing writing? I think it's essential. I
1: I think it's such an isolating endeavor that we have. Um, that we need to be able to have others that understand what we're going through to reach out and lift us up. And and just like the tides that ebb and flow, our careers will ebb and flow, our uh, ability to write, you know, profusely balanced with those days that we're just staring at the, dank, at the dark uh, dark, blank page. It's It can be very challenging and demoralizing and to reach out to others that are experiencing a similar thing. And, um, can feel that and lift each other up, you know, or just provide insight. I did not want to self publish my book because I didn't feel like I knew enough. And so I learned so much from these groups. The women fiction writers association is amazing for the monthly webinars they provide. I have learned so much. So I, I've really, I've been to the writers retreats, and making those personal connections is great, learning about the craft is great, and just having that moral support from other authors has been lifesaving in this journey.
0: I'm so glad you focused on the Women's Fiction Writers Association. I have found it just essential to connect with other women authors and to other authors as well. But I do think we have a a different journey. I'm older than you. So there's also a whole cadre of older women authors that have just bolstered my own writing and my sense of, yeah, our journey is not done. This is our way of communicating. We have a story to tell. What's your next work? My
1: next book is um, currently titled The Executive Club. And it's sort of a money versus morality story. It's about a woman who quits her full-time job to start an event planning business and suddenly finds herself in dire financial straits. And at that point, a former client dangles a prospect, a lucrative work opportunity, but she's not sure. It's sort of an underground business that she's not comfortable venturing in. So that's sort of the premise of the story. Uh, um I do have an agent now as well. So that's another happy development of launching my first book and hitting the USA Today bestseller list. I am now signed also with Eliza Royce Agency.
0: So my next work will also be in partnership with them. Uh, so that congratulations, because I think that's a whole journey, right? Self-published, um, wonderfully yeah. published USA Today, and now also agented. So you've been on that entire spectrum. Can you just talk briefly about the work of being an author? Not being, not writing the book, the work of being an author.
1: Oh my gosh, Um, the work of being an author. There's so much that goes into it that I had no idea about. And aside from, like you said, writing the book, establishing that network, a huge part of it is the, the marketing and the social media. Uh, finding an agent, finding a publisher. Uh, So writing the work is just writing the book is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh,
0: uh,
1: So there is that process of going out on submission and trying to find a home for the story. And then once that happens, there's another round of editing. And then comes um, when it's time to release the book, there's the, the marketing and the publicity and the the networking and the connecting with readers and the social media it's like a full-time job in itself and some people like you said I, i don't know our age difference but i know there's ones younger than me for sure that are are more in touch with the social media the pulse of social media like there's a lot of um TikToking going on now book talking going on and my girls are just like no mom please don't do <laughs> don't do that um i so think that's a-
0: been one of yeah i think that's been one of my biggest challenges because i came out thinking of course that my book was going to yeah. be a movie or a netflix right away and then i had yeah. to just do all of this social media and i was like no and now i live on social media so
1: Yeah. And and do you you enjoy that? Do you find that enjoyable to the amount of
0: social media that you do or just a necessary evil? (laughs) Can I say both? Because if it wasn't for social media, my book would never have been out there in the way that your book is out there or other books are out there. I would not have made the author connections for sure. I wouldn't have this radio show if it wasn't for that. This entire radio show came about because I did an interview for someone and they loved it and said, now you need your own radio show. So without social media, so yes, a necessary evil. But I also think it just sustains and bolsters. It's the entire um, concept of your rising tides. We all bolster each other because of that. I love that your second book has also some intrigue and some moral dilemma, perhaps. Um, As we come to a close, do your books have an overriding theme at all? Do you think the two books have an overriding theme?
1: So far, my books, I think, are it fits right in with the premise of women's fiction. It is a woman on a journey of some sort, whether it's um, some of the sub elements we didn't discuss about um, what's left untold. There's also the elements of fertility, of motherhood, of empty nesting. Um, I think women friendship, female friendships can have a lot of different dynamics and faces to them. You know, it's it can be complicated, it can be fulfilling, it can be competitive. Uh, So I think in each phase of our lives, going from our careers to our families to later in life issues, we're always on some sort of journey. And I think so far my work is reflecting women at different phases in their lives trying to navigate the obstacles
0: in front of us. And I loved that. That's very much my theme in my writing. Um, So I resonated very much with your excellent book. I can't wait till your next one. I always like to leave our listeners with something quirky or unknown that people might not know about you. What would that be? I think the thing that surprises
1: people most about me is that I'm also, I was a commercial pilot for 10 years. So in college, I majored in aviation and journalism and journalism was my backup career. So I actually intended to be a commercial airline pilot, and I didn't um, take that career path as far as flying for the commercial passenger airlines, but I did have a commercial uh, multi-engine instrument instructor rating, um, and I did fly uh, corporate jets out of Martin State in Baltimore for a while, and I was a flight instructor for a decade. So um, that was a whole, I feel like it was a whole different person <laughs> whole different chapter in my life that I I did that. It was very exciting. It was very fulfilling. Ultimately it wasn't um, lifelong pursuit. Uh, and that was a choice that I made and I, I don't regret anything about that. But I am so glad I had that experience. And I also have jumped out of a plane. So I have flown them but I've also been skydiving too. So so I have And that
0: doesn't and that doesn't surprise me given your athletic prowess. I would like to. So thank you, Sherry. You've been a great guest on The Storytellers. I can't wait till your next book. This has thank been a you. copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and the authors on the air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for joining us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.